So Ottawa laid out its plan to curb greenhouse gas emissions for the rest of this decade to meet its ambitious 2030 reduction targets. The 2030 Emissions Reduction Plan, as it's called, targets the oil and gas, transportation and electricity sectors in particular to try to bring down emissions by 40% below 2005 levels by 2030. It leans heavily on technology, including a huge push for zero emission vehicles, as we've been talking about tonight. So is it achievable? Is it advisable? The Prime Minister says so. Big oil lobbyists have had their time on the field. Now it's over to the workers and engineers who will build solutions for their sector, for their communities, and for their kids. Sounds nice. So does it pave the way for a smooth energy transition or a particularly rough ride? Joining me now is Heather Exner-Pureau, a senior policy analyst with the Macdonald-Laurier Institute. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, I guess the big question, we have a roadmap at long last. Is it uh, going to drive us off a cliff or is it a good is it a good plan? You've been concerned about energy security and transition a lot. I know a lot of late. Um, the invasion of Ukraine's only made things worse, I would suspect. Where does this roadmap take us? I, I mean, it's nice sentiments, but I don't know if, if you would find anyone that works for utility or works for a manufacturing company or, or works in the oil industry who would think that it's realistic. Um, and, and it's, it's simply a matter of, you know, getting to uh, a net zero grid in the timelines they're talking about getting electric vehicles at the rate that they're talking about. Those products simply don't exist. The mines don't exist in the world, you know, to get us to these levels uh, you know, that the government is talking about. And and it takes years, you know, to get the environmental assessment to build some of these projects. We, so the, the transmission lines we would have to build out, the new power generation, um, there's no way to get that done by 2030. And I'm, I'm sure the government knows that, but, um, you know, but yet they've put out this plan. So it is, it is, it is concerning that it, it seems to me so divorced from reality. And I was thinking, I mean, one of the things we've been talking about a lot Lately, and we will talk about this. We ha- we will go to the news quickly and then come back and and, and call, talk about this further. Is that we? In, in fact, even in the time that this plan has been put together, the sort of uh, outside factors that we're looking at, such as the invasion of Ukraine, trying to wean the West off Russian oil and gas, has gotten even more acute. So we had even just last week as the policy of the G seven. It was which is the policy of the prime minister. Trudeau, his name was on it, calling for oil producing countries to act responsibly and increase their deliveries and referred specifically to OPEC. But obviously, Canada is an oil producing country. We have the third largest reserves in the world uh, and we're a huge exporter. So when the government talks about things like putting a cap on emissions or reducing emissions, I think people need to appreciate that that means new projects don't come online. And the new projects that are coming online are LNG, hydrogen. The oil sands already exist and they're already working to bring down uh, their emissions and carbon capture will help that. And the extent the government can help with carbon capture, that's good. But the new projects that we are not able to bring online are the ones that a hungry and energy hungry world needs now and are ones that are relatively more emissions free, would be displacing coal. And so, you know, Canada does not exist in a bubble. Our emissions do not exist in a bubble. We need to think about what we can be doing globally uh, to provide that energy and to provide the the best kind of environmental kind of uh, pedigree of that energy as possible. And that's not reflected in this plan. 
Heather, we're going to go to the news and come back and carry on this conversation. I have lots I want to ask you about. We talked about EVs already. I want to ask you about that plan. And also just, um, you know, what needs to be done to try to balance our climate ambitions and our energy security. That's coming up. I'm back with Heather exner Piro, a senior policy analyst at the McDonald-Laurier Institute. We're talking about the federal government's uh, carbon reduction roadmap released today to cut emissions by 40% from 2005 levels uh, by 2030, which is sounds, again, like a high number. Uh, Heather, we were starting to talk about getting the balance right, I think, is where we were headed. And I'm really curious, given all that the research you've done and the work that you do, Obviously, we we need to try to tackle climate change. At the same time, we need to recognize our energy security. So if this roadmap doesn't quite meet, hit the mark, and I, I would be curious to know where you think it misses specifically and what we might be able to do in the short term to fix it. So there's a few things, you know, that it could do well. For example, tax credits for carbon capture. But I think what people need to appreciate, and the evidence is all around us, is that we are still an oil and gas and coal dependent world. 80% of the world's primary energy comes from those sources. So you're not going to get off that, you know, it's taken us a century to accumulate that infrastructure. We're not going to get off that infrastructure very soon. So we need to think more outside of Canada and think of the global context that we're operating in. When, when we talk about energy security, what you're talking about is reliable and affordable energy. And that is fundamental to every single thing about human development, about child mortality, about literacy, about gender equality. So why I get concerned when I feel like the government is trying to pull the plug on fossil fuels before we have other, you know, uh, systems that we can use is because last in 2020, we spent 4% of global GDP on energy. And this year, it's going to be 13% of global GDP. That's about eight and a half trillion dollars that we're putting into energy, not because we don't have the gas and the coal and the oil and the wind and the and uranium, but because we made it more expensive by restricting supply. Think of what you could do for human development if you're spending that $8 trillion on housing, on food, on education and health, instead of just putting it into more expensive energy. And that's why energy security matters. And that's why Canada has to think beyond it's Paris Accord commitments and think about being that reliable supporter to our allies. So does that mean just extending? I mean, obviously, you know, all the data out there, or at least all those, the reports we read always set these dates of, you know, must net zero by 2050. Or uh, is this just mean that a country like Canada needs to find a way to balance its energy production needs as a global supplier, as well as its at climate commitments, that there may be a room for a compromise in there? There's absolutely room for, for compromise. And if you look at any ESG or environmental social governance rankings, Canadian oil companies do well. Now, the problem we've had with Canadian oil is the oil sands, and they are a relatively uh, intense, uh, carbon intense barrel. Uh, but there has been work, and even this report acknowledges this, showing how we have gotten emissions per barrel down. It's more competitive on global markets. But, you know, the oil sands companies have a very uh, you know, firm plan of how to reduce that by 2050. Can they do it, you know, by the government's timeline of 2030? I doubt it because it's hard to do anything these days with costs and inflation and an inability to get things on the supply. Yes, we didn't uh, 
invest in small modular reactors so that they can use that for their, you know, to heat, to get the oil out of sands instead of natural gas. But it takes time to build those things. And it also takes money. So there's lots we can do to reduce oil sands carbon intensity and the oil sands companies are committed to it. But the biggest thing Canada could do right now is get beautiful BC LNG, uh, you know, into the hands of Asia. Clearly, if we're going to wean ourselves or we're going to wean Europe off Russia's LNG or Russia's natural gas, rather, uh, that supply is going to have to come from somewhere else. Are you are you concerned at all that under these new rules, um, under these new targets or these new ambitions, that investment in all of that stuff is just not going to happen, that a lot of Canada's energy is simply going to sit sit there and not be part of the, of the solution to uh, to energy security worldwide? So right now, there is still a supply and demand oil markets. We are still you're drawing down inventories, not producing enough oil. And, and this is just going to become increasingly untenable. It's already too expensive in Europe, you know, that some factories are shutting down in Asia as well. So it's my guess that in five years, if this gets much worse, public opinion will have changed. Um, foreign policy will have changed. And, and our allies will be pressuring us to be exporting more. We should probably start looking at how we might want to do that today. But at some point in the near future, if we don't do it for ourselves, our, our Americans, neighbors to the South, are going to start demanding it. So ultimately, then, I only have about a minute and a half left. So how, how do you balance the obvious needs to reduce our carbon emissions, uh, as outlined by many, many, many scientific studies, versus our need to to, you know, make like keep life affordable for us, be a fair place to live and, you know, take part in global energy security. Is there a balance there, you think? And is it just extending the timeline a bit? Well, I mean, you, you probably will have to extend the timeline a bit if you're realistic. And if you look at, you know, even IEA forecasts, um, but there's so much we can do and we are doing positive things. Carbon capture is one, LNG to displace Coal is another immediate obvious one. Developing hydrogen resources, which Canada could do very cheaply, is a third. And the fourth is uranium and nuclear, which this government still isn't, you know, all that enthusiastic about. But uh, nuclear is, is coming to come to, you know, shine in the sun. Uh, once again, new reactors are being announced all the time. Small modular reactor plan was announced by a number of provinces today. Uran and Canada has the best uranium deposits in northern Saskatchewan in the world, the richest grade uranium. So we are well positioned to be a leader in energy security uh, and, and low carbon energy in the world. At, you know, if we kind of double down on nuclear. Heather Exner-Piro, thank you so much for your insight. I appreciate it tonight. Thanks for having me.